Welcome to The Radical Therapist. This is your host, Chris Hoff, and we are now at episode number 107. And in today's episode, we're going to be going over the social change map, Deep Air's uh, social change ecosystem framework that helps clarify values, identify roles, and support organizations, campaigns, and networks committed to solidarity, justice, and equity. And it's a really good one, and I think you'll find it really helpful. And there's a new book out, and you're, you're going to want to get that and, and, and really get to know this framework because it can be really, really helpful in all your change efforts. But before we get there... One quick announcement, I will be part of the Taos Institute's um, Unfolding Dialogue uh, Conference, Relational Resources for the Global Good. This is their 2002 gathering. Uh, it's going to be a series of global virtual events. I'm going to be talking on November 15th, Tuesday, November 15th at 1 p.m. Eastern Time. And my talk is going to be dis on Disciplined Imagination composing the future in, in therapy and um, please come join me i'm going to talk about you know composing the future in therapy and kind of some of these uh, frameworks we might be able to use when people are entering into liminal space uh, etc and help them have some predictions of the experiences they might have in those efforts so the Taos Institute 2002 gathering. The actually, it actually starts on Saturday, November 12th, with a keynote by David Cooper Ryder, who all of you folks that are into appreciative inquiry will know that name. And there's, he's going to be doing an opening keynote with Ken Gergen and I think Sheila McNamee. I, I'm not sure on that, um, but it's going to be a great conversation starting Saturday, November 12th, and then throughout the week, there's going to be a lot of great presenters doing a, on a lot of different topics, all relationally, social construction-related stuff. So uh, you're not going to want to miss that. Um, so please come join me for that. And I, like I said, I'll be talking on November, Tuesday, November 15th at 1 p.m. Eastern. Disciplined Imagination, Composing the Future in Therapy. Come join me. Would love to have you there. So Okay, let's meet our guests. So about DEPA, uh, over the course of two decades supporting social movements, DEPA Air ha has played many roles, weaver, frontline responder, storyteller, and guide. And her political and community homes include Asian American, South Asian, Muslim, and Arab e e ecosystems, where she spent 15 years in policy advocacy and coalition building in the wake of September 11th and the ensuing backlash. Currently, she leads projects on solidarity and social movements at the Building Movement Project, a national nonprofit organization that catalyzes social change through research, relationships, and resources. She conducts training, uplifts narratives through the Solidarity, solidarity Is This podcast, and facilitates solidarity strategy for cohorts and networks. Previously, she served as the executive director of the South Asian Americans uh, Leading Together for a decade and has also held positions at Race Forward, the U.S. Department of Justice Civil Rights Division, the Asian Pacific American Legal Resource Center, and the Asian American Justice Center. And so without further ado, let's meet Deepa. Hi, Deepa. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me, Chris. It's great to have you. Thank you. Okay, uh, so I'm excited to talk about your soon-to-be-released um, new book, Social Change Now, A Guide for Reflection and Connection. 
And I guess maybe I thought we could start by, I know, my understanding is this kind of came out of a post you did on Medium during a very difficult time, right? And I'm wondering if you could kind of share a little bit about your background and how this work came to be. Yeah, I really appreciate you asking that. Um, Sure. So, you know, I have been um, working on issues related to racial justice and immigrant justice for about 20 years now. So that's really my point of entry into this particular book and the framework that's introduced in it. And so over the last 20 years, there have been, you know, naturally many different crises in our country and um I have noticed and observed how people have stepped up and responded. Um, And one of those kind of learning moments for me was in the aftermath of the horrific September 11th attacks and the backlash that ensued, which targeted um, South Asian, Muslim, and Arab and Sikh communities here in the U.S. Um, And so a lot of the learning behind the framework that's in the book comes from my experiences working with and advocating with and um, really connecting with communities and community leaders. So I wrote this post in Medium in 2016 um, at a time where I'm sure you will, at a time I'm sure you'll remember where we had bans and raids and um, a lot of policies that were affecting the lives of people. And I felt confused and overwhelmed and didn't know how to respond myself. And so this framework, which really posits that we all as individuals and organizations can identify effective roles that contribute to the rest of an ecosystem really emerges from um, the work I've done over the last couple of decades. Wonderful. Thank you. Um... So in Social Change Now, a guide for reflection and connection, you write that being part of social change is one of the most important ways we can connect with each other at a time when society assists upon compartmentalizing us into silos of identity, thought, political alignment, and geography. And I'm wondering if you could say more about these dividing practices and how social change movements might resist this compartmentalizing. Yeah. Sure. I mean, I think that um, there are so many ways in which we are torn apart from each other as people and as communities. So much of that is structural and systemic and generational and stems from, you know, oppression that's related to white supremacy or capitalism or misogyny or homophobia and so many other root causes that lead to, you the ways in which people are perceived and treated by others as well as by systems and institutions. And I think that more and more, it feels like these forces of division are pulling us apart from each other. Um, I feel like, you know, at some level right now, as we're speaking, um, it just feels that we're living through a time of unprecedented and compounding crises. you can barely kind of get your head around something that's happening today before something else comes up two days later that's connected to it. Right. Um, And so I think that there are more, there's more and more political polarization. There are ways in which people kind of dig into their viewpoints and their ideas. And there is an unwillingness to kind of connect, to listen, to understand or empathize. And I think that social change movements are really that intervening force, the disrupting force to that sort of separation. Um, I think that when people engage in social change, and it doesn't have to be 
you know, something that is really huge, like, um, uh, you know, I'm going to put together a rally and bring everyone together. It could be that, you know, I am keeping my, um, I'm keeping an eye out for neighbors who might need help getting groceries during the pandemic, or I am thinking about um, being part of a mutual aid association in my community that um, makes sure that refugees coming in from Afghanistan or the Ukraine have what they need to get started in their lives. Um, Or I'm a student who is thinking about undocumented um, peers in my classes and how they can actually feel more connected to the fabric of the campus community. Mm -hmm. Um, That sort of kind of empathy and reaching out can happen through social movements and social change and through actions, both big and small. Wonderful. Uh, and you you start the book by mapping various stages of engagement with social change efforts, uh, ready, weary, and wise. And I'm wondering if you could say more about these stages. Yeah, sure. <laughs> so um, I don't know about you, but I you know I've kind of cycled through For a sure. lot of st- <laughs> <For yeah. sure. laughs> stages when it comes to. That's um, why I was kind of laughing because I've been through all those. So, yeah. 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 Sometimes I go through all those in a month. Yeah. Right. Um, But yeah, so being ready is when, you know, we feel like we've sort of done our homework. Um, We have done some work on ourselves to understand the privileges that we come into spaces with. Um, We are more self-aware about how we show up. We've also done the work of learning um, about the issues that we care about, uh, particularly from the perspectives and voices of those who are directly affected by those issues. And we feel that there might be an ecosystem that we want to contribute to, whether it's an organization or a task force or a network, whatever it is. So we're ready, we're primed. Mm -hmm. So this book can give people who are in that position some points of entry to think about, well, what roles should I show up in? Am I a storyteller? Am I a builder? So how can I kind of take that readiness and translate it? Um, Others of us are weary, Um, We're weary because uh, we feel like we're on the seesaw of numbness or outrage. We feel that um, we are overwhelmed, confused, jaded even. Um, Sometimes we feel that no matter what we do, we're not really as effective as we want to be in terms of our own actions or our organizations. Mm. And so we're tired. Mm. And I think that for people who are in that state, this book might be um, kind of a breath of fresh air to offer a new way of thinking about how we contribute to social change without leaving the ecosystems and communities that we really care about. Um, How do we then think about shifting our roles um, instead of playing the same roles that we have over and over again that might be contributing to this weariness that we feel? And then for those of us who are wise, um, that really speaks to, you know, individuals or organizations that have kind of been doing this for some time and have really gotten to the point where they have discerned a lot, um, gotten more clear, perhaps, about their own skill sets, their own strengths, what works, what doesn't, when we kind of come into an environment of social change work. Um, We've also gotten a little bit wiser in terms of 
course correcting from mistakes that we might have made and learning from them or from others. And so we have a unique, a more unique viewpoint, both into ourselves as well as the issues that we're trying to address. So for folks who are wise, this particular framework could offer some ideas about sustainability, about um, taking our work to a higher level, leveling up our effectiveness. Um, so it can kind of give folks some ideas around that. Wonderful. Okay, uh, moving into the framework, you you start by framing it in three components. The first being the first two being values and ecosystems, and I'm wondering if you could say more about those. Sure. Um, so the frameworks, you know, really dependent on getting clear about what our values are as individuals and as organizations. And so I think we we do a lot of lip service when we talk about values, right? We all, I mean, a lot of us say, you know, we care about equity and we care about inclusion just to start with those. And I think at some level, those words don't always mean what we think they mean, or they've lost kind of their, the the core of what they mean. And so getting clear about values means that we take some time to understand, well, what do we actually mean when we say things like liberation or solidarity? Um, so that's like a learning piece. And it's also a getting a little bit more aligned and clear. And when we do that, then we can assess which ecosystems might also embody those same values and orient um, to them in the ways that we would like to do. Um, so that's one piece around values. And then the ecosystem component of the framework is just that we can't do this work in silos. Mm -hmm. We can't separate ourselves, right? And so how do we actually build a sustainable, um, interdependent ecosystem um, that actually is connected so that we are more effective in getting the work done and building power, et cetera. So those are the first kind of two components of the framework. And even when you look at the visual of the social change framework, you kind of see how um, the roles are in circles and they're connected to each other and they embody this idea of connectedness and commonalities. That's great. And yeah, moving to the third component of the framework, which is roles. And the first time I got introduced to this, I thought this was very, I don't know what the right word, freeing. It, it like relieved a lot of pressure to have to do everything, right? And so I thought that was really innovative. And so I'm, and, and I want to urge all our listeners that, you know, really to, to check this work out. And could you take us through the roles? Um, yeah. Yeah, sure. Yeah, I appreciate you saying that. That um, it is, I think it can be freeing and it can also be empowering because you recognize that there might be a different way in which you can show up. Um, so the framework invites us to think about 10 roles that we can play as individuals and organizations. And the roles are not titles that we often get when we do this work. They're really um, embodying the skills and strengths that we bring when we get involved in social change work. Um, so they include, for example, um, frontline responders who are usually the individuals or groups that are sort of on the ground when there's a community crisis or a disaster of some sort. And frontline responders are able to stay really calm in that kind of crisis environment. They know whom to contact. They know the messages that should be sent out there. Um, they know the resources that they need to pull together. Um, so those are the ways in which frontline responders are contributing to the ecosystem. 
But frontline responders um, can't do their work by themselves, right? And so one of the things that we also think about is beyond the crisis, what is it that we're building towards? And so the role of a visionary, for example, becomes really important because visionaries are the ones that kind of remind us of the North Star. Um, This is why we're doing what we're doing. And um, this is why it's important. And they inspire us, especially when we're feeling really overwhelmed or uncertain about, you know, what is my purpose? What is the purpose of this campaign or this particular cause? Um, Visionaries, though, can't do their work alone. And they really... um, do much better when they are in an ecosystem with builders. Um, A lot of us are builders, you know, we kind of are the ones who construct the scaffolding between our reality and the North Star. So what are the programs that need to be put into place? Um, How do we build an outreach plan to reach folks um, during the pandemic? Um, What are the ways in which we create um, virtual events if we can't get people um, or we can't organize people in person? So builders think about that and they build those programs out. Um, And so those are just some examples. I'm happy to go into others, but those are just some examples of these roles, how they show up and how they're complementary. We'll save the others for people to get the books. (laughs) Yeah. um, uh, I just got curious also. And where would you locate yourself in a visionary, I imagine, but well, I don't know about that one. I always I have a little bit of an imposter syndrome oh. around that one, but thank you for saying that. And I think that's also very um, uh, can be helpful because sometimes the way we think of ourselves and the way that others perceive us might be different. And there's an opportunity then to kind of claim something more. Mm-hmm. Um, my role has shifted a lot. I used to be a frontline responder, as I was talking about, kind of in the post nine eleven. Um, Uh, era Mm -hmm. and realized sort of that it took a real toll on me in terms of my, um, my emotional well-being and my spiritual well-being. And um, so I have switched roles. And so now I see more, more uh, of myself in the storyteller role, um, as well as in the role of a guide. And so um, helping other frontline responders, for example, um, to provide them with guidance, to provide them with input as they're doing that work, because I've done it before and I have sort of a muscle around it. So that helps me stay in the spaces that I care about without actually playing a role that might not be good for me or good for others as well. Great. Okay, so uh, what are your tips for listeners in determining the roles that they're best suited for? Yeah, so I think part of it is just a lot of self-reflection in terms of, you know, what are my skills and strengths that are innate to me um, because they are ones gleaned from lived experience or work that I've done or by learning. Um, So that's kind of a big question to kind of get clear about that. And it helps to talk to others to also say, how do you, what do you think um, I am good at? How do I show up? You know? Um, So I think it's helpful to kind of do that self-awareness and that self-reflection. That would be the first step. And then once we do that um, to map, ourselves on the framework to say, well, this is how I often show up. And then it's um, a process of real assessment. Um, so asking questions, and these are a lot of the questions that are in the book, mm-hmm. um, if, if folks are interested in it, asking questions like, um, how does my privilege show up? 
when I play this role? Um, what are the ways in which this role affects me? Um, whom do I need to be more skilled at this role as part of my ecosystem? Um, so there are many questions and prompts that you'll find in the workbook that can help you to go through that process of um, reflection, mapping, assessment, and doing it over and over again, depending on what it is that you're working on. Wonderful. Thank you. Okay. So being involved in social change work can be exhausting at times, as you know. Um, and social change organizations and movements often fracture because of this pressure. What are some of the practices you could share with us for maintaining individual and collective well-being? Well, as you know, it really depends on the person. And you know, I don't, I don't know that there are a few things that work for everyone. But um, I think that one way of thinking about it is to identify not just kind of what you're doing for yourself, but also um, what it is that your organization or ecosystem can put into place to support you as an individual. And then thirdly, thinking about the community of support that you can build around you. So there are individual practices, you know, like rest and taking a break, um, finding joy um, outside of this work and in this work, right, um, that people often do. Uh, for me, a lot of it is movement. Um, it's about rest and it's about sleep. <laughs> Those are important for me practices. And then I also lean on the organization where I work, the Building Movement Project, um, to put into pr uh, place practices. Um, so they're, you know, the organization, um, is, has been great about the fact that I'm a mother and understands that there are some limitations in terms of my time and capacity, right? So there, are, that's just one example of a practice. Um, but there, there are things like that that I think help us feel like we can show up in our best self, um, that we can lean on our ecosystem to set the conditions for. Mm -hmm. And then finally, with community of support, you know, people will lean on their mentors or coaches um, or peers, um, which go to go on retreats, right? A lot of uh, ways in which we lean on um, others who are either in the movement space or have kind of uh, been able to mentor us that I think can help as well. So those are just some practices at each of those levels that might help us to sustain this work for the long run. Right. Thank you. Okay, so how can someone get more training in your framework? How how can listeners reach out and, and go deeper? Right, so the kind of the one-stop shop, I would say, is um, a website called socialchangemap.com. That is where you'll find information about the framework, sort of how it came about, what those three components are that we discussed, the visual images. Um, you can also have a chance to pre-order the book if you're interested in doing that. Um, you'll also find a lot of resources and links to other kinds of uh, mediums where this framework has been explained. Um, so you could take a look at those resources as well, both writing and podcasts and Instagram lives and all of that. Um, 
And then finally, there's a get involved page where you can reach out to say, I want to do it. I want to learn how to train on this framework, or um, I'd love to um, do a workshop for my organization on this framework, right? So you can also kind of use the get involved page to get more information. Um, Sometime in 2023, I'll be doing sort of a train the trainers Mm. for folks who want to utilize this framework outside of their organization space, sort of in the world. Um, So all of that information will be on the website as well. Wonderful. And uh, listeners, I will have a link in the show notes for all of that. And Deepa, my last question that I like to ask everybody that comes on the show is, um, what books, films, ideas, thinkers are capturing your attention these days? That's a really good question. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. Um, Wow. So I will say that... I have been um, I've been reading um, a little bit more these days, and some of the work that I've been reading is honestly work that I keep going back to. Um, so I do read a lot of, say, Pema Chodron because oh. I find that work to be really helpful. I just got her of... newest book. I just oh really? Yeah. That's yeah. that's great. Yeah. Um, I re I've been I just am starting on some poetry by Maggie Smith um, on uh, learning about more about loss and creativity and change um, that helps. Um, so I read books like that in order to kind of both anchor and center myself. Hmm. Um, and so poetry and um, spiritual writing is more sort of my through line um, to both rest as well as learn and get curious. That's great. Thank you for sharing that. Thank you for making the time and sharing your framework with our listeners. And I just really appreciate it. Well, thank you for doing this podcast and for getting the information out. I appreciate that. Thank you, Deepa. All right. That's our show. Uh, as uh, I mentioned earlier, go find Deepa's, uh, go to the link in the show notes, find how you can order Deepa's new book on the social change map out of Thick Press, my favorite press, Dick, Aaron and Julie at Thick Press, and um, you can get that there. So be sure to go order that. It's it's worth it. You should. I, I have an early copy, so I got to see it. So very much uh, helpful if you are in kind of all different kinds of aspects of hoping of, of transformational change in the world. So uh, you should get it. So anyway, as always, you can find me on, uh, I am no longer on Twitter. So um, I've, had a, I've had a diff- complex relationship with Twitter my life, but now I just without, I don't need to say anything about that, but no longer on Twitter, but you can find me on Instagram at The Radical Therapist, Facebook at The Radical Therapist, and if you want to email me, just do that at theradicaltherapist at gmail.com, and I would love to hear from you, and as always, um, you know, I'm Dr. Chris Hoff, this has been The Radical Therapist, and I appreciate you listening. Peace. <laughs>